Coverage Show. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy here and co-host, Mr. Trey Hill. We're going to break down another week of Chicago Bulls action for you guys, just kind of taking a long view here, going week by week. I'm kind of glad we didn't record, you know, yesterday, Trey. Uh, You know what? I, I won't even say that one ticks me off as much as the Spurs loss, which we'll get into here. But uh, all in all, let's just like overall week, you know, the Bulls went one and two. They beat the Pacers, lost a back to back to the uh, Spurs and the, and the Sixers. So all in all, it was an OK week. Um, it could have been better, though, right? It definitely could have been better. It was nice to see them take care of business against the Pacers. And it was one of those games where the Bulls pulled out, pulled out ahead. They let the Pacers come back into it a little bit, but as soon as they started to show signs of life, the Bulls just put their foot down on their throat and finished it off. So that was really, that was really encouraging to see. And I know the Pacers are are clearly the worst team we've played this season, but it was also the only game this season where the Bulls didn't fall behind by basically double digits in the first quarter. So. To me, I think it shows if the Bulls can stop getting out of their own way to start games, that was the takeaway I got because they were down 14 to the Spurs in the first. They were down 15 to the 76ers in the first quarter. Down 19 uh, was the, t- the highest number, but 15 in the first. You can't dig double-digit holes in first quarters and continue to dig out of them and win games no matter what team you are. Yeah, I know. I've um, just been driving back and forth, doing a lot of driving this week, so I've only – I only got to watch maybe about half of each game. I do have them recorded, so I do watch them the next day um, kind of while I'm doing other stuff. So it's not like I'm watching them super intently, but I do have them on in the background. But um, I was listening to one of the games on the radio, and uh, Bill Wellington, I think it was, was talking about, you know, it sucks because, like, the Bulls spent so much energy coming back against the Spurs, and then they had to do it again against the 76ers, and they came out just absolutely flat in that 76ers game. And, uh, you know, I felt like both of those games were an opportunity to, to, to win one. Uh, I feel like the Spurs, they should have. I mean, the Spurs are on fire right now. Like, I'm going to give the Spurs all the uh, flowers that they, they deserve because they beat the, the Timberwolves tonight uh, as of the recording of this podcast. And they're playing really, really good basketball. So, uh, you know, I'm going to give them credit where, where credit's due. But the Bulls should still handle that Spurs team, right? I mean, we still have more talent. Definitely. And uh, Devin Vassell was also out for the Spurs, yeah. so it wasn't even like they were what they were at optimal health either. You want to see this Bulls team come out and just take care of business. And the Spurs, everyone looks at them as a bad team. They are they're probably the least talented team in the league. But Popovich is going to put them in places to succeed. And the the talent level in the NBA is so good right now. The league's looking at expanding, getting two more teams in the league because it's so deep. So when you you're not when you're an NBA starter, you're not a bad player. So if you have a coach as good as Popovich, who can put you in positions to succeed. And the Spurs, they shot five of twelve from from three point land in the first quarter. If you can shoot that in the first quarter, you're likely going to, if not jump out to a huge lead, at least hang around. Yeah, let me let me talk about that for a minute. And that's something I saw actually on Twitter earlier today too. I think it was Stephen No, uh, maybe or maybe it was somebody else uh, that covers the Bulls, but. Somebody had posted that, you know, the Bulls officially have a, a, a three-point defense problem. And I know, I think it was, again, Bill Wellington I was listening to that had pointed out, or maybe it was Stacy, that the Bulls were giving up the second highest three-point percentage in the entire league. 
and that's not, you know, you can say, um, a lot of times you'll look at something like that and you can say, oh, well, it'll come back to the mean, you know, it'll average out. But this is actually the product of of us not getting out to shooters. And I, I honestly, I mean, I've watched um, every game. I've, I've watched portions of every game, at least. And I've rewatched a couple of these games, Trey. And I can't honestly tell you why. We've got the athletes, so I don't know why we can't get out to shooters and get into their bodies and, um, I mean, obviously, we don't want to follow these shooters, like, uh, shout out Kobe White, who's already followed, like, three three-point shooters this season. But, uh, you know, we want to contest those shots. And it just seems like the Bulls aren't getting out there to do that. Do you do you have any theory as to why that's been an issue for us? Oh, I can't hear you, buddy. I'm sorry. I, I was muted. Um, I'm trying to look up right now to see what that percentage is. It was like 42% or something like that. It was over 40. I know that much. Um, maybe even like 45. But yeah, it was bad. <laughs> well, so I, I don't have that number figured. But the number that I do have figured, and I, I did this by hand before we started. If you had to guess what per, what what the three-point percentage was for Bulls opponents in the first quarter, what would you say it is? Gosh, they are just crushing us. Um, I'm going to say it's probably like 51%. That's my 57. Guess. Close, close. <laughs> 38 of 66. That's what op- opponents are wow. shooting against the Bulls from the three-point line in the first quarter. And that's sizable. That's that's a sizable amount of shots. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 57%. You, you j- that's not something that you can give up. And it, it seems like the Bulls just continuously give up open three-point shots. And I don't know if – I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's just teams come out and when they're when they're fresh, the Bulls just don't have a chance to get into rhythm. I Because, I, you know, DeMar is such a rhythm guy. The Bull – and let's be honest, the Bulls struggle. If they don't get defensive stops and DeMar's not rolling, I'm just – I don't know what it is. What do you see whenever you're watching – yeah, it's I, I honestly can't tell you. It's it just seems like it's not like the effort's not there because we do see guys running at these shooters, but they're just so far away they can't contest. So um, you know, my guess is that other teams have scouted us better. I'm gonna put this, you know, if I was to put the onus on somebody, again, we have the athletes on the team. It's not the it's not for lack of talent, it's not for lack of athletes. I would have to put it on the coaching staff. I'd have to put it on the fact that um, the other teams know how we're going to rotate and they know where our, you know, we're not going to be. And we, they know where their three point shots are going to come from. And they're just taking advantage of that right now. We're not adjusting. And, you know, uh, I did rag on Billy a little, little bit last season, but I, I mean, I think he's done a pretty good, an okay job. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, but yeah, go ahead. Do you have something to say? Go ahead. Oh, uh, one adjustment I, I did notice they've, they've made is they've done a better job the last couple games at the scrambling. So, when they see they're running a pick and roll and they know they're going to have to help going ahead and starting those, those rotations a little bit earlier. Like I, like I, I'd mentioned, I wanted Patrick Williams to be the quarterback and to call those out. He's not doing that, but they, they have started to do a little bit better, which to me, like that's, that's a good sign that the coaching staff is committed to that because that's the kind of play style the championship teams are playing these days. So that's a good sign. But to me, Coming out flat, coming out that flat for the first seven games, whether it's the coaching staff or the players, somewhat like it's got to be an effort thing because you don't see this in the second, third, and fourth quarters. It's 
the first quarter consistently, they're giving up wide open looks time after time. Well, if they're shooting, you said it was like 53% in the first quarter. So I found the 57. Um, 57. Four, yeah, yeah, 57. So I found the, so it's 43.2% as opponent uh, three point percentage against the Bulls. They're currently sitting at third worst uh, in the entire NBA with only the Pacers and the Mets uh, behind them. But um, so if it's 57% in the first quarter, I mean, that's your problem right there, right? Like it's not if that's the case, then that means for the rest, the second, third, and fourth quarters, they're probably shooting closer to like 35, 40 percent, which isn't that bad. That's that's league average, right? I mean, that's you know pretty much league average. You want them about 35 percent, but um, that that's the that's the 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 numbers backing up the eye test. It's backing up what we're seeing, what we've been complaining about. So this yeah. is a, a nice case of the numbers backing that up. But to me. You, that's what you have to clean up. That's that's the number one issue. So next week, when we come back here and we're like, so how the Bulls do this week? I'm gonna have the numbers and be like, I need I need them to be better than this. Yeah, I think coming out stronger in that first quarter um, definitely helps. I think, um, you know, I'm not gonna rag on it too much. Not having Lonzo definitely hurts, but you still got Caruso out there. You've got Io. Um, he's been injured. He was injured at that last game, but he played two of the three games this week. Um, we, I've loved what I've seen out of Vooch on the defensive end. I don't think it's like, um, it's not a perimeter defense problem. Like perimeter defense in the Bulls is probably maybe below average to average. So I'm, I'm not saying it's great, but it's not like, that's not the reason that this is happening. Um, and, and, and if you say it's effort, you, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I do see effort in the fact that like, I see guys at, you know, when they're already beat trying to recover and there, it's just wasted effort at that point, but there is effort there. So I guess that's what I qualify as effort, but um, it's just not being in the right place at the right time, uh, in my opinion. So um, maybe that is an effort thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they're not like, or maybe it's just no. Maybe it's just a basketball IQ thing. Maybe it's just that they don't they don't understand where they need to be uh, after a rotation has happened or after you know a switch has happened, uh, and that's why we're having issues. I I don't, I don't, I don't even want to call it an effort. I don't want to call it effort. Maybe intensity level. Yeah. Maybe I that's feel. A- I feel like. The Bulls don't come out focused on running guys off the three-point line, whereas other teams seem to make probably make that more of a focus than the Bulls do. I, I don't know. I haven't gotten to watch a lot other than the Bulls, but it seems to me like after the first couple games, me and you, like we were messaging, hey, the Bulls they can't keep giving up wide open three-pointers. Like yeah, this is something we saw in the first couple games, and it conti- as it continued to happen, we wondered why 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 are they still why is this not cleaned up? And it that's what I'm looking to get cleaned up. So so there's my negative side. Well, but let me let me let me still well, win one and two. And yeah, we had a chance yeah. to win against the 76ers. There was, yeah. Both those games were against the Spurs and the Sixers were winnable. We came back and um, you know, basically made it a game down to the wire and uh, unfortunately just didn't pull out either win. If we could have, we would be, be in a much better mood. Um, but let me pose let me pose this question to you, Trey, because like last season my frustration was um, but they were giving up wide open layups. There was a lot of times where they were missing, you know, blown assignments, um, missed rotations, and other teams are scoring in the paint at will. And that doesn't, I mean, I don't think that's the case. Like, I test to me says that the Bulls' defense on the on the interior is much improved. I think a lot of that has to go to, uh, you know, obviously Andre Drummond came over, uh, and I think he's done a phenomenal job as the backup. So, you know, what, what's, so let me pose this to you. What's worse to you? Are you more, would you be more, are you more frustrated by the defense in the paint last season or by the wide open threes that we're giving up this season? I'm more frustrated with the wide open threes this season. And the reason I say that is when the Bulls were first last year, 
uh, we weren't complaining about Vooch's defense as much. It was we needed him to knock down shots. We needed him to be more consistent on the offensive end because Lo- we still had Lonzo. We still had Crusoe. And those guys were – we were like, oh, Lonzo and Crusoe, they're, they both might make the all-defensive teams. We we were riding high on that defensive – on that perimeter defense. And Vooch was serviceable, you know, serviceable to good on most nights. Once that defense got taken away, he got exposed. Well, now we have Lonzo's not back, but Io got an offseason under his belt. He he's attacking just you know like Alonzo. We have Caruso, Javante Green's been out there. I think and Vooch, we've seen it on the offensive end just as much as the defensive end. He looks uh, way more comfortable this year than he did last year. Yeah, I I think it's just he's he's in a prime position to succeed, and he's that's what he's doing, which is what he did in Orlando. It's what we expected him to do in Chicago. It's just now finally seeming to all come together for him. So well, if I had yeah. to pick one, yeah, I'm disappointed in the three-pointers because last year Vooch was still good. He just lost his other guys. This year, we've got the guys for a good defense if we can just clean up these three-pointers in the first quarter. And that's a, I think that's a positive thing to take away from, here, from this is that, uh, again, the Bulls have the talent. The Bulls have the – uh, athleticism to go out there and take care of this like it's not something that's like unsolvable it's not something that's going to be a problem for the rest of the season it's something that we can clean up and we can work on and so that does give me some hope there and um, let's talk about Vooch because that's you know we talked about a negative so let's let's flip it over and talk about a positive I mean this guy's just been balling this season um, again what I've loved what I've loved to see out of Vooch so far is that he I, I love what he's doing to pick out his spots in the offense he's not forcing anything um, there are a few times still when the Bulls are trying to force the ball to him in the post when he has a, a, a mismatch and they're not like taking the proper angles to get him the ball, which to me is just insanity. I don't know how you get to the NBA level. You don't understand how to do that. Um, but that's not a Vooch problem. That's an all-team problem. But Vooch himself, um, you know, other than – and we talked about this off, you know, off the air throughout the week two, Trey. Other than the three-point percentage, which obviously it's probably corrected itself now after he went, what, like six of seven or something last last game. It was something ridiculous. Um, so it's probably like pretty average now. But, um, you know, um, I did see Mark Kay, uh, one, you know, friend of the pod here. <laughs> he's, been on, he's been on the pod before. Uh, but he did post that um, Vooch's three-point attempt rate was actually higher than last season so far this season. And his percentage was actually lower, but nobody was talking about it. Because he's just been playing so well in every other aspect of the game, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't always agree with Marquet, but I definitely agree with that point. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, um, aside from the three pointers, which again will normalize, and it did in that last game pretty much. Um, I think this guy's just doing all the right things, um, bringing you know aspects to the game that are you know defensively rebounding, uh, offense, every single you know aspect of the game, he's uh, making a positive impact. I wrote down in my notes uh, Vooch Variety Hour because I was looking, I was kind of looking around at the stats and I stumbled onto the touches. So per, these are per game touches for Vooch. He's getting three and a half touches at the elbow, four and a half touches in the like post up touches, and then seven, seven paint touches. Sorry, yeah, seven paint touches. So they're getting Vooch the ball in a variety of ways and. I think that helps him create on different levels because he's such a good passer and he has those good angles. One of the reasons Mark K and others, you and myself included, want Patrick Williams to cut is because Vooch is such a good passer that if he would cut, he's going to get rewarded for it. Whereas, you know, some teams, you know, JaVale McGee, he's probably not rewarding you if you cut to the basket like a Vooch is. So I I love that they're getting Vooch involved 
at so many different levels on right. the offensive end is is what I think is really been his bread and butter because if he was just shooting threes like you said he was shooting a low percentage he was shooting more than last year that's all he was doing think about how negative things would be right now on the Vooch front yeah but he's doing a lot of other things also and uh, anytime he gets in action with the ball handler he's making all the right choices right now so he's just playing really well I hope that continues Um, I still do maintain that I'd love to see this Bulls team with a different profile of center a different type of center I still maintain that but I will give Vooch's flowers. I've always said Vooch is a very talented player, and he brings a lot to the offensive side of the basketball that a lot of centers don't bring. So um, I'll, there's, there's – And I, I play 2K, and I love doing franchise mode. I'm all about those alternate realities, the what-ifs. So I, I, <laughs> I would just love to see it, you know, but that, that's just me. And uh, I probably won't because I, I think there's going to be yeah, – I think we can talk about that in a minute here. But let me, let me, let me point this out. Um, I was talking about the Bulls' interior defense looking a little bit better. So the eye test, again, matches the stats here I'm looking up here. The Bulls are 11th in the league in uh, opponent points per paint, points in the paint. So that's actually 11th fewest points, uh, 45.7. So there are 10 teams ahead of them. So, you know, top third of the league, uh, basically, in uh, in points in the paint. So definitely uh, matches up with my eye test there. But, yeah, I mean, let's talk a little long term. You know what? So the Bulls are sitting at uh, uh, three and four, I believe, right? That's our record right now. If I'm correct here, yeah, three and four. Uh, Bulls are sitting at three and four. Uh, you know, say this continues and the Bulls are a, I don't know, 38-37 win team, right? And the Bulls kind of maybe get the 10th seed, maybe get the 11th seed and miss the, the play-in. And, you know, things aren't looking so good. I mean, DeJuan DeRozan's got one more year left on his contract. Vooch is on an expiring. You'd have to assume that the Bulls do mix things up here, right? And they may be go into a maybe partial or a quick rebuild of some kind uh, where they get rid of some of those guys. I mean, Vooch is balling out. DeMar's obviously balling out. You can get assets for those guys right now, I think, if you're going to give them to a team that's competing. I'm not going to say any specific teams because I don't have them off the top of my head, but I'm sure you could find something at the the deadline, right? I mean, why didn't you just say the Lakers? (laughs) The, they still the, want tomorrow, right? I mean, the two biggest prize possessions in the trade on available on the trade market are those unprotected Lakers first in 2027 and 2029. If you're looking to do a long term rebuild, yeah, that's a great play. That's a great option. To but that's not what the Bulls will do, though. The Bulls will not do a long. I mean, they've got Zach Levine. He's 26, I believe, 26 years old. So, um, you know. It's not going to be a long-term rebuild. It's going to be a we're going to build something quick around Zach Levine that works. I don't see them doing a long-term rebuild. I mean, do you? Am I wrong here? I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm say. 27. Like you, Sorry, he's 27. All right. So, so imagine imagine this year goes so bad that that we're like, okay, we got to trade tomorrow. We have to trade Vucevic. Like we're. We're imagining doomsday scenario because I, I don't see that happening, but I'm trying, again, alternate realities. I'm right. trying to put myself in this position. It's within the realm of possibility. If we're playing that bad and Zach, Zach's not playing, but you know he's not playing back-to-backs, and when he is playing, the Bulls aren't winning, do you, again, same with the Lonzo situation. Is it Do you want to invest in a 27-year-old who can't play back-to-backs, who has a bad knee and just can't seem to get to 100%? Or do you want to try and move him while he still has that value while you're blowing up the rest of the team? Because even if you want it to be a quick rebuild, it's still going to be a three-year rebuild minimum. So at that point, he's 30, 31. 
He's got that many more miles on his knee. I think if you blow it up, you're blowing it completely up. Yeah, that's a fair point. I've, I'm just of them. It always seems to me like the Bulls are kind of like locked in uh, with Zach Levine after giving him all that money. But I agree. Uh, I think they're locked in this year. I think Vooch is going to sign an extension because he likes being in Chicago. He likes his teammates. And I think they're going to play this out at least next year, maybe at next year's dead. Like, say it goes poorly this year. They get Vooch that extension, and it's still going poorly at the beginning of next year. Then, you know, they they trade DeMar to the Lakers for, for one of those picks, maybe. And then they trade Vooch, and they maybe they trade Zach, and they just maybe they trade Zach to L.A. I think he is from the area. He, I know he wanted to move to Sacramento. So there's lots of options, but to me, if you blow it up, I think you got to move Zach, too. It's a fair point. It is a fair point, and uh, I can't say I disagree. Guys, if you don't already have our DFS pass, go sign up for it right now, sportsethos.com. It is the hottest thing in the market, man. I am actually uh, over there leading that division. You guys really need to sign up for it because we're going to win you some money. Uh, go do it. DFS pass, $4.99 a month. It is the cheapest thing out there. Uh, you're not going to find anything cheaper. So uh, you get access to all the pros. You get to be in our Discord. You get to have lineup locks, and you get to have some uh, some amazing builds that all of our, our team is building for you. So uh, go get it right now. Go get the Ethos 360 pass even better. Get you the fantasy pass and wager pass also at Sports Ethos. And uh, those guys crush it also. Um, and, you know, Trey, we are talking about, you know, worst case scenario. But the Bulls, you know, realistically, we are two shots away from being, uh, instead of a three and four team, being a five and three team. Uh, wait, no, that's not right. Five and two team. Sorry. So instead of the three and four, we could be but five it, and two. It's, it's, it's super early, small sample size. And it's not like the bulls have been blown out in the ends of these games. It, it's, yeah. it could very easily have swung the other way. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan um, hits that three against the wizards or the foul gets called like it should have. And, you know, we, we win that game uh, or possibly win that game. And then the Spurs uh, game, if, if Zach hits that uh, pull up off that uh, mid range, which I didn't, let's talk about that. Actually, you know, let's talk about that shot. How did you feel when he took that shot? Obviously, looking back, I didn't even see it when it happened, but you have Vooch standing in the corner, uh, who was absolutely lights out from three, and Zach didn't pass him the ball. After the game, he did mention that, um, you know, when somebody asked him, he said, you know, I didn't see Vooch there. If I would have played it again, I would have played it differently. Uh, I don't think you should have that mentality. I think it was a fine shot. It was an open shot. He is Zach Levine. He is the guy that that we paid Thank for the shot. So... I, I had no problem with the shot. I wish it would have How been are him. you going to be mad at our max player, Zach Levine, who is a great scorer, getting a wide-open jump shot? Yeah, it would have been great if he saw Vooch and maybe passed to the, hot, to, to the hot hand. But even if he would have said, yeah, I saw him, but I was open, I was in a rhythm, and I felt good, I, I would still back the shot. It was a good shot. They knew DeMar was going to get the double. That's why they ran the pick and roll with Zach. DeMar immediately threw him the ball. Zach got in rhythm, got his shot, got an open look. It didn't fall. It happens. But that's the guy. That's the guy you want taking the shot. Zach or Demar, wide open. And Jordan, you know, we we've seen Jordan those those quotes all the time. Um, you know, he missed all the shots. You don't take all that bull crap. Um, he missed plenty of game winning shots. And so I'm not mad at Zach Levine for taking that shot. I thought it was a good shot. He was open. Um, moving on. You know, you, you miss it, you move on. It's it's no big deal. Um, I, but you know, I don't I don't even understand why it was a conversation. Like if he had been, you know the defense draped all over him, I, I would understand, hey, why didn't you look to the open guy when you weren't open? But he was wide open. He was in rhythm. It was he a great a clean, shot. He got a clean look. I mean, that's all you can ask for in that situation. It's an end-of-game situation. I think there was about a minute left. Um, you know, that's that's all you can ask for, just a clean look from your best players. 
That's it. So I have. I got, I got a I got a fun question for you. Yeah. Is this good? I, so the, the the game is is this good or bad? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Is this good or bad? Okay. Got it. Patrick Williams averages less than one dribble per touch. He averages 0.92 dribbles per touch. So he's more that's likely good. to shoot the ball or pass the ball than to put it on the floor. I think that's good. You think so? Because at first I was like, man, I'd really like to see him attack a little bit more, you know, get a couple dribbles, maybe try and post up if you get a smaller guy on you. But the more I thought about it, the more I think you're right. I think I want him either catching and shooting, catching one dribble and, you know, dunking home or catching and passing because he's so athletic. He can dunk in one dribble. Let me, let me put it this way. It depends on who's around him. It depends on what players are around him. So like right now, uh, I haven't looked at his box scores recently, and honestly, I just I haven't even like even really noticed him on the floor the last these last few games, which is which is worrisome in its own front. We can talk about talk about that, but um, but it, it depends on who's around him. If he's around, if he's in the game with Zach and Demar and Vooch, um, I think the less dribbles the better because he needs to move that ball. He needs to let it pop. Um, if he's not moving the ball and getting out of his his hands. He's taking a shot as soon as he gets it. And that's what I would like for Patrick Williams to do. Um, if he needs to drive, you know, one or two dribbles to the hole to get a dunk or something like that. I would love to see, you know, again, you were talking about him cutting, getting a, a receiving a pass while he's cutting and maybe one dribble and then go up and dunk it. That's the kind of stuff that I want Patrick Williams doing. I don't want him sizing up with a defender and trying to take him one-on-one. I've seen that, what that looks like in the summer league and everything. And it's just not his game. It's just not what he's going to do. Maybe someday, somewhere down the line, that's what he develops. Um, so I think it's a good thing that he has fewer dribbles per possession. Um, okay. Yeah. Another one for me. No, that was really all I got. Okay. (laughs) Oh, well, no, no, I do have one more. I do have one more actually that fits this. Um, IO five, five drives per game. I want more. Yeah. I would, I think that's, I think that's bad. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he's the best. He's best when he's um, – he's actually shot – and I said this before. He shot, he's shooting it really well um, and shooting off the dribble really well, and I'm happy about that. But I don't, I don't have his off the dribble, but I do have his catch-and-shoot three-point number. Uh, what? Uh, 45% higher or lower? Higher. Lower. 43.5%. Uh, I got you on that one. Just but, right, he's shooting 43 and a half percent from three on catch and shoots and on almost four a game. So he's shooting a lot of them too. So I do, I do like the fact that he's becoming a catch and shoot threat. Now that he is, I want to see him attack those closeouts more than five times a game. Um, yeah, I think Io is best when he's catching and shooting or when he's driving to the lane. I don't need Io DeSumo to take mid-range jumpers for me. That's why I have Zach Levine. That's why I have DeMar DeRozan. That's why I have Vucevic if I have to. Um, I'd rather have those three guys take take a mid-range jumper um, than Io DeSumo. So I, I want Io either driving it or shooting it. Um, five per game. I mean, I'd have to see, like, I'd have to see how many – I don't know off the top of my head how many shot attempts he has per game. It's not many. So I don't. He doesn't even necessarily have to get shots. I wouldn't care if he did the, the Steve right. Nash, just, dr- just drive into the lane and dr- right. dribble right back out just to penetrate – and to, you know, just to, probe. to yeah, to probe and yeah. see what you can can find because while he's not a, an excellent playmaker, he does a really good job. I feel like of attacking a defense, bending the defense, and then getting the open guy a good look. I think he's gonna and, excel. And, 
You did mention that you would rather DeMar, Zach, or Vooch or somebody else shoot than Io. Io actually has the best effective field goal percentage on the team at 60%. So Well, I mean, effective field goal percentage takes into account that if you're shooting a three or whatever. I mean, I'm not, no, I would rather. And they've, and they've also range. played like, what, seven games. Yeah, so, so small sample size. Sense, but yeah. No, um, but you know, no, Io's had a great season. I love Io. Um, I'm trying to look at his field goal attempts for game right now just to kind of see. He's gotten up. Uh, 9.8 attempts per game, which is pretty good. That's decent. Um, I would like to see that increase, honestly, especially if you're shooting it so efficiently. Um, you know, maybe your efficiency comes down a little bit if you shoot a little bit more. But he needs to be aggressive, man. We need somebody. We need a guy out there, especially when, um, you know, Zach's out. Zach has been out for half the season already. And, you know, maybe DeMar doesn't necessarily have it for a quarter. Uh, we need somebody to step in there and, and do that. I think Io can be that guy for sure. You know, he's... I'm looking at his box right now, 17, you know, box scores, 17 points, 22 points, 12 points, 12 points. Those, you know, four out of six games, he's he's had a really decent showing on offense. So, uh, you know, I, I just want to see more more Io, man. I just want to see more Io. I love this kid. He thinks he's, he's really good. Uh, on the defensive end, too, he's really good. But here, but here's, here's again, what I'm going to point, and I'm going to drill this home again. I think he's a better shooting guard than he is a point guard. I don't think he's got that. You were talking about, like, a Steve Nash type, um, you know, Probing and seeing the deep, what the defense, how the defense reacts, and then you know using your basketball cue to to play off of that. I don't know if he has that playmaking ability to do that efficiently, honestly. I think he's more of a shooting guard, and I don't know. I I mean we can argue about this and debate about it for hours, but you know, I mean, tell me your I, thoughts. I think I think you're right in the sense that he doesn't have elite passing vision. He he doesn't see or he doesn't see something. And no, okay, if I drive here, this guy is going to rotate here, and that guy's gonna go there, and this guy's gonna go here. I think he sees, okay, if I drive here, it's gonna pull Vooch's man down, and Vooch is gonna stay out there, and I'm gonna kick it out to him. I think he's I think he sees he makes the the one step playmaking passes. Yeah, it's, it's like a QB that always goes to their first read, right? Right. He, like, he, yeah. yeah, he's either he's either hitting that first read or he's taking off and scrambling. And I was either hitting that first read or he's attacking Radio, the rim for a yeah. layup. Exactly. And I, and I love that about Ayo. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great. I think he's going to really excel uh, when he gets a point guard next to him. I can't wait uh, for this team to be whole and have Lonzo Ball again. And, you know, I can come off the bench and be just kind of like a 25-minute uh, per game guy off the bench, a shooting guard uh, slash small forward. Because I think he can play small forward, too, against you know teams that don't necessarily have those big wings. Um, I think he could do that also. If we want to play like some three-guard lineups, I think Io's going to really excel in that role. So. I, I would really like to to have the coaching staff just, when they do the scrimmages, just tell him every time he gets the ball, he has to dribble six times before he can pass it. Yeah. Just, no, make, I, yeah. just make him have to dribble around. I mean, the level of improvement he's shown, all of us, from college to the pros to year one to year two, I think he can. You know, I think you, you should challenge him. You should challenge that guy. And give him stuff like to do like that. I think he could get there for sure. Um, okay, so we kind of got a little off track, but not really. I mean, it's, it's all bulls, so it's not it's not off track at all. Um, but let's talk about. I don't think we talked about that Spurs game a bit. Let's talk about that um, Sixers game. You know, again, the the, the Bulls dug themselves a hole. Um, both teams run a back to back. Embiid though did not play in the first half of the back to back. Zach Levine didn't play in the first half of the back to back. Um, but we didn't have Io, we didn't have Andre Drummond. So I felt like that was going to be a really uphill battle for us anyways. I'm proud of the team for making a, a game out of it. But I really, I had chalked it up as a loss, like even before the game had started. I mean, did you feel the same way about it? 
Not really. I I wanted to see them come out and compete, and to watch them get down 15 in the first, it was it was disappointing. Um, it was nice to see them fight back. Andre Drummond was really missed, which yeah. is is funny to say, but we just didn't have the size to match up with Embiid. He was in there for a minute without Vooch being in there, and it was it was so laughable that the commentators were were just you know just cracking jokes basically, yeah. and you know going down 19. I want to, I wanted this team to compete, you know, f- be a pseudo contender. I think the 76ers, even with that, with their slow start, I think they're going to end up being a contender. And yeah, they kind of fell flat on their face. Yeah, they were was, they were covered nicely. They they got back in the game, but and I know it was the second night of a back to back. They had to play hard against the Spurs to dig out of that hole. But if you don't get in holes, you don't have to dig out and. They just they keep doing this to themselves. I wanted to see them come out and be like, okay, we just lost to San Antonio. This is this is this is a measuring stick game to see where we're at. And they they come out and fall down 15. Yeah, just these disappointing starts. It's really it's really just disheartening. Hopefully they turn that around. I, I would have to hope that that's something that we can you know take care of and, and adjust to. Um, so here's an interesting little bit of information we got during this week. And I know I messaged you about it, so I wanted to, I wanted to address it on the pod. Uh, Alex Caruso. It was Billy Donovan, I believe, talking about Alex Caruso, saying that uh, this guy plays just bat crap uh, insane, and he's just like up and down the floor. He's just a bowling ball, which I, I've always known. We've always, I mean, that's why we love him. That's why we love Alex Caruso. Um, but he's saying that he needs to take it a little easy on Alex Caruso because he plays that way, so he's more uh, more likely to get hurt. Which is, I mean, he said it in slightly different words. I have to find the actual quote. But uh, this is something I'd said in the pod. And uh, I got a little pushback from you, Mr. Trey. Uh, but it turns out, to, I mean, you know, not too much pushback. But it turns out that that's uh, something that uh, Billy Donovan's concerned about, too. Is this something you're finally concerned about? I mean, I think I said at the time, I'm not going to to take him out because I'm worried about him getting hurt. I still stand by that. I want him playing 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, but, yeah, when he's out there, he's going to go 100%. And you might, I guess, when you watch him, you might lose something when you hit that 30-minute threshold that maybe if you play him 25 minutes, he can go at 100 RPMs and, you know, not break down, not give out. But to me, I... I find whatever that number is where I'm maximizing, he still can go 100% and not take anything away. Whether that's 25 minutes, 28 minutes, 32 minutes. If he could be out there for 48 minutes, I'd want him out there for 48 minutes. I mean, look, I get the okay, I get the theory behind this. You know, and let me let me just talk about this as more of a broad thing. And I, I said this was ridiculous when Kawhi did this the first game of the season two, and they were like, okay, we're we're gonna bring him off the bench. Stupid, first of all, because, okay, this is a guy that's recovering from ACL tear and we're going to make him you know, warm up and then sit and then play a basketball game. That's that's freaking dumb, first of all. Second of all, okay, we're going to limit him to 25 minutes as opposed to you know 28 minutes or whatever. And I, it's just like, well, okay, great. A guy can get hurt in two minutes. Like I get, I get, I get like, in theory, yes, over the long term, if you play 25 as opposed to 30 minutes and you extrapolate that over 100 games – now you've saved yourself 500 minutes of, of competitive basketball. But these guys work out six, seven days a week at that level. Like they can hurt themselves doing that. I don't, I don't get 
the whole uh, limit them, even though I'm uh, I'm of the same mindset as Billy is that, you know, this guy's probably going to get hurt. Um, I don't think limiting his minutes is the answer. I don't think that's the answer for anyone. I think you just have to play it and, and just kind of play it and, and just kind of take things as they come and just kind of maybe manage injuries as they come. Uh, I found the actual quote, though, Trey. Here it is. Uh, I think one of the things that's been a little challenging for him is his minutes have greatly increased with the Bulls than they had been. We've got to make sure that he's productive in his minutes and the way he plays, he's reckless. And I say that in a very complimentary way. He puts himself into the game. He's probably going to be susceptible to these type of things. We have to watch him. He starts getting up in the 30 plus minutes over a period of time. I think that's a big toll on him because generally his loads, even for his number of minutes, are high because of how much he exerts in a game. So, again, I think this is it just feels like flawed logic to me. Tell me I'm wrong. Please tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I, I, I agree. He, he plays so hard. You want to watch and see when he's starting to break down a little bit, and that's when that's when you force him to go to to come off to come off the floor because he's not going to to take his foot off the gas. He's not he's not going to be Zach Levine last year and play injured and just manage it and find a way through it. He he's going to play through something till it rips, and like you just that's not something you you want to you want to put him through. So. I like having him as like the super sub who who starts. I think he's yeah. great in his role, and he embraces that. I I think it's we don't value enough the guys who are willing to sacrifice, who are happy to average nine points a game on you know four shots and come off the bench and do all these little things. And Crusoe is just the perfect example of that. And yeah, that's that's why you want him out there. That's why you want Javante Green out there because they're going a hundred percent, and it's just it's fun to watch. I wasn't even gonna bring up Javante, but Javante appreciation like minute here. Um, every time this guy comes in this game, into the game, I just I love 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 what I see out of him, man. This guy is so active uh, on the boards, so active on the defensive end, so active on offense, getting out in transition and, and, and getting dunks. I mean, um. Okay, where, where, let me ask you this. Let me, let me put it this way. Where do you sit right now on Javante versus Patrick Williams? Who starts? I mean, we, you know, we're a week later. Where do you sit at that point? I think if you want to be a contender, Patrick Williams has to be your starter. I think part I, part of the reason Vooch is more comfortable coming out higher, showing harder, doing those types of things is because Patrick Williams is behind him and he's a much better rim protector. He's a much better help defender than Javante is just because of his size. Like even, even though Patrick Williams gets lost, he gets back cut. He's still struggling a little bit on the defense. Even though this last game was definitely his best game and he, he's continued to get better, but he struggled on the on ball individual, but the help defense, the help side rim defense it's that's been there. And I love Javante Green. I think, you know, for if Patrick Williams needs to sit, I love when he, he has to start. But if you want this team to be a contender, Patrick Williams is the guy that I think has to be in there of those two. Yeah, I do think, you know, if you're talking about ceiling, I agree with you. Um, but, man, I do love when Javante's in there. I just feel like he affects the game so much. I want Patrick Williams. I know Here, here's is, here's a hot take. Yeah. I would rather I would rather start Derek Jones Jr., and still bring Javante Green off the bench. That is a hot take. Because of the size Derek Jones Jr. offers on the back line, the help defense, the just all of that. So, yeah, I think if Patrick Williams was out after what 
Jones has shown. I, I think I would start him. There's my hot take for the pod. I'm not going to call it scorching, but uh, it's very high. It's spicy. It's very spicy. Uh, no, I like it. Uh, I like it. Well, the Bulls uh, do have some games coming up here, if I can ever navigate to the right screen. Uh, oh, I've got it. Tuesday, Brooklyn, at Brooklyn on TNT, primetime. Oh, the TNT games. We're going to lose that one for sure. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. I... They need to just beat the sh- – they just need to, to take <laughs> the care struggling. of Brooklyn. They're not so struggling right now. I, I do not want the Bulls to be the team that Kyrie gets his uh, team to get their shit together with. No, yeah. the Bulls will not be the team that they turn it around on. I, I cannot have it. But after that game, it's the first of a back-to-back. Then they play against Charlotte at home. They're off Thursday. Then they play Friday at Boston and Sunday at Toronto. So Brooklyn, Charlotte, Boston, Toronto. It does not get easy. The East is just insane. It's just so deep right now. Um, So predictions. You know, we got four games here. What do you think they go? And we might talk before. Or, no, we'll probably talk after that Sunday game. I need them to go two and two. I want – I need at least two and two. I'm hoping three and one. Yeah. I I would – I mean – we already guess, beat Boston once. I, I don't see us getting that one back. Yeah. I, I think Boston's going to get us gonna, back after we got them earlier this season. Yeah. Right, but I I think we can beat Toronto. I think we that's can gonna beat be, Charlotte. That's going to be th- the third game in four nights, too. So that's going to be – that's just going to be rough. Um, oh, yeah, we do have four games in five nights. Oof. It's just, uh, it's just not good. Um, the scheduling gods were not kind to the Bulls early on. Lots of back-to-backs, lots of lots of our, four and fives. It's it's yeah. just not good. Our end of season slash like uh, after the All Star break though is is pretty light. So you know hopefully we're sitting pretty there and then we can take all that extra rest and and, and put it on teams and, and close out strong here. But all right, uh, so what about yeah. you? I said two and two. Yeah, minimum. I'm gonna go, I, I'm gonna go and I'm already game. wavering whenever I realized how many games that is crammed in there. But no, two uh, and two. I need two and two. I'm gonna go the same. I think I think they could probably win these first two. I think they're gonna win this this first two against uh, the Nets and Charlotte, and then I could see them drop into the Celtics. Um, Raptors kind of a 50-50 for me. Like you said, I hope it's a three and one, but I think they're gonna go two and two. That's my guess. So we'll we'll check in with you guys next week and see how it goes. But until then. That's going to be it, guys. I'm Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBPKeith. And Trey, where can the good people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. And do go follow the show, everybody, at Eat Those Bulls, at Eat Those Bulls. And leave us a uh, you know, five-star review.